highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And certainly he sought the Lord for himself, but he says, "Go seek, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and all uh, for, for for the people and all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath." of the Lord that has aroused against us because our fathers did not obey the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Again, notice he inquired of the Lord. He sought prayer and guidance from the Lord. What a great idea. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Go inquire of the Lord for me. It wasn't that King Josiah knew nothing of God or how to seek him. It was that he was so under the conviction of sin that he didn't know what to do next. Josiah knew that the kingdom of Judah deserved judgment from God. He couldn't hear the word of God and respond to the spirit of God without seriously confronting the sin of his kingdom. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in 2 Kings chapter 22 and begins chapter 23 images that they would make of Asherah, this female Canaanite goddess of fertility, he broke those down. He broke down the carved images, the molded images. He broke in pieces. He made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and all around with axes. And when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images, had beaten the carved images into powder, cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Notice that he initiated this at 20 years old. In the 12th year of his reign, he did that. Prompted by the Spirit, Would to God that more young people would initiate these kinds of things in the church within its walls and outside, and especially outside of it. You know, young people, get behind it. Get behind it. Get your heart involved. And live life. Live life with a purpose. And the greatest purpose is for Jesus. Not for anything else. There's no greater thing you can do with your life than to give it to him and be completely sold out to Christ. I wish I had come to Christ earlier. It would have saved me a mountain full of hurts and pains and memories that I would love to forget that are etched in my memory forever. I would love to forget all of those things. Go now with me to 2 Kings chapter 22. We're going to pick up in verse 3. Because remember, so now we talked about what he did when he was, 
you know, uh, at 16 years old, then at 20 years old. Now we're going to be looking at what he did when he was 26 years old. Second Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 3. What does it say? It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. So this is around 622 BC. Josiah would be 26 years old. That the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, and the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord. And this is what he said. Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Now, if you remember, back um, about 200 years prior to this, there was a king of Judah by the name of Joash. And he put a chest, if you remember, with a hole in the top of it, just like the one we have over there for our offerings up on that wall. He put a chest with a hole in it, and he set it outside of the altar where people would come and they would put money in it, and it would be to help upkeep the temple and, and, the, and the services and everything of that nature. And that's why we do what we do. I like the idea of having put, you put things in there because it's, it's what they did here. And so they gather this money, and, and notice what he, jo, uh, Josiah goes on, and he tells them, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house, to the carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. So remember that Manasseh, his great-grandfather, was king for 55 years in Jerusalem, and he did a lot of damage to Jerusalem and to the house of God with his idolatry. And Ammon, Manasseh's son, he only reigned for two years and was evil, so Josiah had a lot of work to do to restore Jerusalem, to restore the house of God that had been completely left in disarray and disrepair. He's got a lot of work to do. However, verse 7, there needed to be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. And I, I noticed the trust that was between Josiah and the priesthood and these laborers. There was a, a camaraderie. There was a, a heart trust. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to trust people? Because today I find that you really can't trust people. <laughs> trust is something that's earned, isn't it? Well, I'm a Christian. You, ha you have to trust me. And when people tell me that line, I say, that immediately makes me not trust you. Because when you tell me that I have to trust you, it's probably because you've got something up your sleeve. No, trust is earned. It's a fruit of your faithfulness. You trust somebody because you've examined their life. You've watched what they do. You don't see any bad thing, and then trust is earned. And as time goes on, that trust gets bigger and bigger. And that's why husbands and wives... That we should never betray the trust of our spouses because you can live for several years and be just fine and say one thing, do one thing, and totally undermine the trust of your spouse. And it takes a long time to rebuild it again. So important for us to be faithful. And when we fail, we confess it as sin, right? And God forgives us and we move on. And, but just be patient with everybody else around you because, because of the fact that you blew it, You've got to rebuild that trust, and that takes time. Don't expect everybody just to drop everything and say, oh, we trust you again. Didn't happen. You can forgive them, but trust is something that takes time to rebuild. Follow me? It's true, whether we like it or not. Um, and so, verse 8, So Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, 
He says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I, you know, you think about this church. You know, we got Bibles laying around everywhere, and now they found one book of the law. <gasps> they found the book of the law. We found it. There's one. And they're doing their garage sale and all the stuff that they're doing and throwing all these boxes and junk out of the temple and all these idols. And, oh, we found a book of the law. Can't believe it. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And these would be the scrolls of the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all they had. That's all they had, folks. So Shaphan the scribe, he went to Josiah the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now notice what happens. And again, this is when he's 26 years old, in the 18th year of his reign. Do you remember what we just read a few moments ago? That it was in the 20th year that he started really doing these things for the Lord, cleaning out all the idolatry. But now, six years later, now he reads the word of God. Can you believe that? Think about that. I, I could understand him reading or having the book of the law read at this point and then for having him engage and finally do it. But he did this before he read it. Before the book was found, God had already touched his heart. He didn't need the, the scrolls to do what God was going to do. Do you follow? But now, six years later, after he did all these wonderful things, the words of the book of law of the law are read to him, and he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. And I find it interesting that even though he was a king, he was supposed to have written his own copy of the law and had it with him. And now he's 18 years into his reign. And it's never happened. This is evidently the first time he's seen the whole thing. In Deuteronomy, it tells us in chapter 17, beginning in verse 14, listen to this. He says, when you, and God's speaking to the children of Israel, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You shall not set a foreigner over you. And he goes on and he says, you, you shall not multiply horses to yourself or cause uh, people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. You're not supposed to have multiple wives. Lest his heart, lest they turn his heart away. And then it says also in verse 18, and also it shall be that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, notice this, this is what every king was supposed to do, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book for the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him. He shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord as God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. Why? That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he might not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And so now, 18 years after his reign began, Finally, now, there's a copy that they found. It's remarkable. 
And then the king, verse 12, commanded Hilkiah, the priest, Ahikim, the son of Shaphan, Achbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Azaiah, a servant of the king. And this is what he said to them. Go inquire of the Lord for me. What a wonderful thing to do. Inquire of the Lord for me. Go seek the Lord for me. And certainly he sought the Lord for himself. But he says, go seek, inquire of the Lord for me. For the people and all, uh, for, for, for the people and all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that has aroused against us. Because our fathers did not obey the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Again, notice he inquired of the Lord. He sought prayer and guidance from the Lord. What a great idea. Are you seeking the Lord for your life? Are you inquiring of the Lord for your life and for the life of your kids and your grandkids? Are you inquiring of the Lord? Did you inquire of the Lord today and ask him? Very important to inquire of the Lord. David did that. There were times when David did those things and and, uh, when he was against the Philistines, he attacked them a certain way and everything went stunningly well. God told him to do it. He was obedient and cleaned house. And then the very next day, they went to war with them again and, and David didn't presume that he should go down into the valley to do the exact same thing as he did the day before. It says that he inquired of the Lord a second time, Lord, what should I do? And God says, ah, that's a great heart of yours, David. The temptation would be just to go down and do, you know, slaughter 2.0, you know. I did it the day before the same way. I'm going to do it the same. No, and David says, he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord says, all right, now do this. I want you to do something else. I have a different battle plan for you. And he gave it to him, and he was wildly successful. Why? Because he obeyed the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Such victory and stability when we inquire of the Lord. We can't forget that. We must remember to inquire of the Lord. Always. So, verse 14, Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim, Akbor, Shaphan, Azahiah, they went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe, and, and she dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. Now, why they didn't speak to Zephaniah or Jeremiah, we don't really know, because they were prophets and prophesied during this time. But they, they spoke to her, and she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity. Now notice, this is Josiah. He's sending these, this delegation to her, and, and, and she tells him, Thus says the Lord. And the Lord is using her to speak. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Ouch. Because they've forsaken me, they've burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Notice that. It's not going to make a difference. Josiah, I love you, and you're doing a great job. I'm going to wait until your reign because, brother, you have done everything my heart's desire. And I'm not going to allow this calamity to happen on your watch. I'm going to wait until you're done, and then the hammer is going to fall. And that's exactly what God was, going to, was saying. And it wasn't going to be annulled, but the timing of the judgment was in forbearance as long as Josiah lived. Verse 18, But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. 
So now he's speaking, God is speaking directly to Josiah. He says, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against all its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse and that you tore your clothes and you wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. It's like he was irresistible. Again, God, it seems to be, it's irresistible for him to see a man or a woman who's humble, who really loves him and really wants all that God has for them. And, and, and when they break down and they're crying or they're in, in deep straits, God loves to show up. And he does. I've noticed it in my own life. And he's done it in your life too. But I love God uh, that he does that. In Psalm 34, it says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And here it is. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves those such as have a contrite spirit. And God is saying, Josiah, because you humbled yourself, you tore your clothes, you wept before me, I have heard you. Do you have that confidence that when you pray to God that he's hearing you? Sometimes we don't, do we? Because our prayers can be so monotonous, they can be so uh, flippant, and sometimes they can be irreverent, quite honestly. We forget who it is that we're standing before or kneeling before. We forget who God is. And I think it's healthy to really think of him because he is more than a king. He's the king of kings. He's the one we're going to stand before one day and probably not do a whole lot of standing, probably more like on our face. Prostrate before him. In James 4 it says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Verse 20, back in our text, it says, Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers. In other words, Josiah, you're going to die. And when you die, you shall be gathered, gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. And so they brought back word to the king. In 2 Kings chapter 20, the Lord had a similar thing that he did to Hezekiah, Josiah's great-great, or his great-grandfather, excuse me, And God told Hezekiah that he would uh, deliver him from the king of Assyria. He'd give him 15 more years. But it wouldn't be till after he passed from the scene that things would happen. And I love that about God. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 23 now. It says, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Notice that his inclination was not just to keep it for himself. He wanted to read it before the people because they needed to be broken just like he did. And when he read the that law to them, the, the five books of Moses. Think about that. He read that to them. And their hearts broke. 
And then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. Wow, this is amazing. This guy's on fire. And to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And notice, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. Oh, I wish America would stand up for the word of God. That the church even would stand up for the word of God. Not necessarily you all here because you love the Lord and you're a different breed here. But there are churches that don't teach the word of God. They don't care about the word of God. They're more interested in, in everything else, that, you know, everything but the word of God. Would the God that America, the church in America would stand up for the word of God? Let me tell you, if they did, it'd be an amazing thing. Our country would be very different if the church was doing what a church should do. And I'm not just saying you guys, okay? It may not have anything to do with you at all, but I'm talking about the church in totality. Because good, godly leadership encourages people to follow. And they were following Josiah. He made that covenant, and they followed him. And they, he was a, a great man. And they're like, we're going to follow this guy. He's doing the right things. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, verse 4, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, remember that Canaanite female deity of fertility, and for all the host of heaven. And he burned those articles outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you see the Kidron Valley, and this is where they burned all this stuff. He took it out there, and he carried it out there, and he burned it, and then he carried the ashes to Bethel. And then he removed, verse 5, the idolatrous priests, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal and to the sun and to the moon, to the constellations, to all the host of heaven. They were worshiping all of these Assyrian gods, all of these different gods. And he brought out the wooden image, this Asherah, from the house of the Lord. It was in the house of the Lord. Can you believe it? This wooden, idolatrous image in the house of the Lord. He took it outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to ashes, and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. And then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. So they would have these tents where these male prostitutes would literally engage in sexual activity. And this is how they worship God in these tents, that these women would make coverings to cover them. And they would do these lewd, awful, twisted, weird things in there. And yet, there are Christian churches... Not too far away from here, actually. Who embrace homosexuality. Who embrace heterosexual fornication. God's a God of love. It's okay. No, it's not okay. (laughs) It's not okay. When you read this, what do you think about it? I mean, there's plenty of scriptures. We could go there, but we don't have time. But God is not for any of those things. Does he love the people? Yes, you better believe he loves the people. But... He hates the sin. Whether you're a heterosexual fornicator or whether you're a homosexual fornicator, you must repent. 
you must repent or you will suffer the judgment of God if you do not. Oh, don't say that. It's not politically correct. I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. I'd rather be faithful to God and faithful to his word and upset a million people, actually quite a few million people. I don't care. Because God loves them. And they need to know that God loves them. And see, church, we have to remember that God loves them. He loves them. He, just like he loves the heterosexual, the male and the female living in sin, he loves them too. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.